there's a natural progression to everything in life, even technology. As we see more and more electric cars hit the road, well, it only makes sense that we start seeing electric jets in the sky. And that's what NASA is currently designing, an all-electric plane named the X-57 Maxwell. Yeah, and our guest today is Steve Yoakum. He's the guy designing the software to get this thing off the ground and running. So naturally, we discuss his role with the project and the future of renewable energy. We get pretty deep into a space and technology related discussion. Things like going to Mars, the expansion of the universe. I ask him if he thinks aliens are real. And of course, all the fascinating details about the planes that he's working on right now with NASA. It's a really, really cool episode. So we hope you enjoy it. Mace, hit the music. does not always shine in West Virginia, but the people always do. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode. Steve Yoakum is our guest today. Steve, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Not a lot. Just taking a break from work. Good to join you guys. Yeah, we pulled you, we pried you away from the laboratory, the office. So I guess it's not so much, do you call it the lab or is it more of an office for you? Workshop. I call it the lab, but I've moved because I'm actually sitting in a room in my house with the furnace. So I, I moved down to the dining room. So it, <laughs> it looks a little nicer for all this, I suppose. Yeah. Every room's got a name. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, give us your official title, man. Cause we, you know, we've been here, we've uh, done a little bit of homework on you, but um, mm-hmm. you're doing, I would say complex work and I, you know, I don't want to mess this up. So won't you, I'll let you kind of take the floor and say what your official title is and maybe just a little general scope about the work that you do with, uh, with uh, TMC. So I'm a senior systems engineer is the title I have. Um, and I do several things with with i work for tmc but uh, i'm a contractor for nasa mm-hmm. so i do a variety of work with nasa um of course one of the things that we're talking about today is the electric airplane so i mm-hmm. um i i my focus is, is is a lot on embedded software systems and the safety of those um so the some of the work i do is on a lot of the major manned missions um, and the major spacecraft like uh, the James Webb Space Telescope, the, the Mars missions, anything that's manned, um, I typically work on. Uh, we develop simulations for that uh, so that we can help help people verify that software better. Mm. Um, and then the, the electric airplane, um, I was brought in to kind of oversee all the software development because there is a spectrum of companies small companies developing software for that plane but they don't necessarily have the expertise on how to develop software for nasa manned missions and right this is something you don't take lightly because um you know we deal with software bugs all the time and in your in your operating system or whatever you don't really think a lot of it but any small thing goes wrong in an in an airplane with a person in it, it could be catastrophic. Not good. Yeah, not good. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to make sure the software's. I don't want to. I don't want to use the word perfect, but you got to make sure the software is 
um, operating as expected 100% of the time. And that, that there's a lot of lot that goes into that. So when they brought in all these small companies to do that work, they didn't necessarily know how to get to the NASA standards that uh, are required. So um, I kind of oversee all those guys to make sure that they're doing things the way they're supposed to be doing it. Yeah. And you have a history of NASA, right? Didn't you, you, you've worked with NASA closely for a while, correct? Yeah. I've been working NASA stuff for 20, 20 years, I suppose. So uh, all, all kinds of things. Um, a lot of, a lot of the work is NASA Armstrong, which is out in California, the Mojave mm-hmm. desert. So a lot of aircraft work, um, experimental aircraft, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, they're all research programs trying to push, research and technology into the commercial sector is really what we're doing. So about this, I mean, cause you mentioned several companies and you know, what kind of came to my mind is like you said, like private companies, maybe like a, like a UPS or a Amazon trying to figure out like, <laughs> yeah, a, exactly. like electric planes <laughs> for like delivery inside of cities. Like, is that, do you think that is where like the industry is kind of like headed for commercial use of these things or what is, what's the general scope of like, why do we need like electric planes? I guess, point blank. So, I mean, as a, as a transportation industry, mm-hmm. we're headed there. You can see that obviously in, in the automotive sector. Right. So, um, and, the, and that all ties back to the, the green aspect, I suppose, with uh, ultimately fossil fuels are going to run out at some point. So we, mm-hmm. we have to have an alternative. Mm-hmm. So batteries are going to get better progressively they have issues now, one being they're very heavy, especially in an aircraft, and they do have a duration, but they're going to get better. So the green aspect makes sense going forward with that. Um, and so obviously it's in, in automotive. Um, it's just a natural progression to get this into airplanes. Um, the small haul flights, like you suggested, delivery is probably right. a pretty good use case for this. Mm-hmm. Um with um, potentially UPS and Amazon, but certainly the commuter flights between, um, you know, s- small towns in the same state or something like that is a, is a very practical use for, for, for a battery airplane. And, and it really only makes sense, right? If you, you start with, if you want to go green, we started with cars and now we're moving to, to the air, right? You go to airplanes and one of these days we'll have a an all electric rocket. I'm, I'm sure going to Mars, how far in the future? I don't know that that's pretty deep ahead, pretty far ahead, but uh, you're working on the X 57. Now the plane is already built. You were working on the software for this, correct? Mm-hmm. Right. And so is this plane fully electric or is it still have some motor, some electric or kind of what are the specs of this? And, and how does the software actually, you know, the, the, the software that you're developing relate to, you know, how this thing actually works. So it's fully powered by batteries. There's no mm-hmm. fuel on it whatsoever. Um, there's, so you'd be surprised where their software, it's, it surprised me kind of getting into this. So there's, um, to get this plane to the, to the amount of power it needs to take off, there's actually 5,000 little double A batteries. They're not double A, but they look <laughs> like double A batteries in the thing. So there's a, there's a lot of batteries. Get them at Walmart. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and the problem with these, they're, they're, they're the lithium batteries and they have this thermal runaway problem. If, if, if one of those batteries is defective, um, it can catch fire. And 
if one of them catch fire, that quickly propagates to the other batteries and it'll bring down the plane. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of software involved in monitoring all those batteries to make sure that their, their temperature and their voltage remains um, within spec, within cons consistency among the other batteries. That's all, that information's all reported to the ground. There's a crew monitoring this the whole time it's flying. Kind of a roll up of this is reported to the pilot. So he knows quickly if things are going wrong, he can shut it down. So um, a lot of battery, a lot of software just in the, the safety of the batteries is there too. Then, then there's a, then the motors are electric and there that requires a speed controller that's that's software controlled so you have to um pilot has a throttle just like he does in any other plane mm -hmm. so that all feeds through software that goes to the motors to spin them the right speeds yeah so i'm oversimplifying but please yeah we no. would be <laughs> yeah exactly that's why we're having you on <laughs> to break it down for us yeah. How susceptible, Steve, um, you know, like recently, I mean, some actually some pretty cool stuff is just happening and I can kind of tie it back to this, like the colonial, I think like a pipeline was attacked, like in like the software essentially is a pipeline like yes, or two, yesterday or two days ago in the news, um, you know, and how much of a, a threat is it? Um, or maybe if you could even give us a perspective, like when something says it's like a, attacked or hacked, people sometimes say like, oh, like what if that Tesla, like what if my Tesla gets like hacked? Like mm -hmm. how is that even possible to like remotely attack a, a software system? Um, and maybe generally if you, if you have some insight on that. And then two, like what are some of the ways that like are those conversations that you guys are having when you're building out these software systems? Like how can we prevent this from being like, you know, overrun by someone that we don't want to? Sure. So cyber, that's the term we, we refer to um, for, you know, outside attacks on software is becoming just overwhelmingly huge. It permeates all aspects of software anymore. So we, I mean, we have a cyber team at NASA now that's just yeah. dedicated to that aspect. It's, it's pervasive in everything because it's such a big problem. So yeah. Yeah, we, we look at it and we take it very seriously. Um, now, um, how easy is it for someone to hack your Tesla? It, that's probably not, not very doable. Um, how easy is it to hack a commercial aircraft? Completely not doable, um, mm. despite what rumors might Good be out know. there. Good to know. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but it, simply because they're not on a network they're not on the, the internet. They don't have a communication link that allows them to be manipulated from the ground or some other source. Right. But gotcha. Yeah. Any system, you know, you know, a satellite does have a communication link and it could be hacked and manipulated. And that's something NASA is looking a lot at right now is that um, things like that, that does have communication links could be hacked. And there's a lot mm -hmm. going into that right so now to prevent that from happening so for what i'm hearing you're like cyber is almost like i mean this is going to be probably butchered but like the 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 like road in which like you could reach out and manipulate something itself so like the fact that like an airplane is like an isolated like like piece of equipment at that point there's no way to like hack it quote unquote so like if but the more you have like integrated systems that are like coming back onto some sort of network or cyber that's where you can get vulnerability in terms of like getting into like the like the software like does that make sense i guess yes that's that's exactly right anytime you 
you know, we need those links for our convenience and our daily use to make right. things, you know, quicker and, and more user friendly, but that also introduces the, the risk to the bad guys. So. Right here. I'll, uh, I'll pull this up. This is what Cooper, you had kind of mentioned ransomware attack shuts down the top us gas line pipeline. This is from NPR. Can you walk us through? So what's the difference? How did something like this, kind of happened was this because it is based from one center where there's internet connectivity and 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 you know how to, how exactly what's the difference between that and something like this going on where it shuts down an entire pipeline and i do see that it says which carries gasoline maybe it's a conspiracy they want all electric that's what it should be <laughs> yeah yeah I, obviously i'm not an oil and gas expert but <laughs> um this this stuff does have um this stuff is networked. Um, they do do a lot of uh, monitoring of their systems that gets sent back to a lot of field agents. And so there is a way to, to manipulate those systems remotely. What is up, guys? This is the Mountaineer Roasting Coffee Break. And if you haven't heard by now, I don't know where you've been because we've been screaming from the rooftops that if you like delicious coffee, and most of us do, Go to MountaineerRoasting.com and use code MEDIA15 to get 15% off your online order of coffee. Rusty, the owner, is an awesome dude, and he he just gets it, man. He just gets small business. He gets West Virginia culture, and we partnered with them, Mountaineer Roasting. We could not be happier uh, to support them, and they support us. So go to MountaineerRoasting.com, use code MEDIA15, and when you type that little magical code in, Bam, 15% is going to come off your online order. And then the next thing you know, delicious coffee will show up at your door. So thank you guys for listening. Let's get right back to the episode. On And, and Fairmont Clarksburg Morgantown seems to be like a growing hub for space-related activity. Um, you know, why, why do you think that is? And, and what about that area makes it unique to the rest of the state? And why, why is that kind of going the direction that it is just more tech jobs and, and that's the way that everybody's going and, and why I guess that part of West Virginia too. Well, that, that, that goes back a long history. I don't know if you guys are even old enough to remember Senator Byrd. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Come on. He's a, he's a goat <laughs> of West Virginia. Definitely for all the, so, the good and the bad, but yeah. So, I mean, he started recognizing a long time ago that um, coal was not the future of West Virginia. So mm-hmm. um you know, coal's still very important, but it, it's obviously got a lifespan. So he, he knew that we needed to get a different technology or different economic base in here. So he brought in uh, the FBI to Clarksburg and he mm-hmm. brought in NASA to um, Fairmont and, and he, he got that base started. And since then, that you know that those dollars are are long gone but it's been able to sustain itself naturally um for the last you know 20 30 years we've we've really done a good job of keeping this in west virginia uh i think we have a good level of respect here nationally for what we do in both the fbi and nasa and um you know this is a great place for a lot of people because it's a unique environment where you can live in this high high technology hub but not be in in the big city big traffic big crime environment so it's mm-hmm. it's a great place to work for guys like me and many others and it, it attracts a lot of other people to this area 
Are you from West Virginia? Where where were your roots? Morgantown. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. So, well, then a perfect fit, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I was in D.C. for six years after college and just got burnt out with the with the things I just mentioned, the traffic and the crime and the and all the the fast pace, and was able to get back here to, to to NASA. So it's it's been really good for me. You said you'd worked with NASA before out in, in the Mojave. Did you live out there too? No, no. Yeah. I, I just, I mean, the X-57 is out in the Mojave. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I go out there a lot. Gotcha. But um, never, never lived there. I don't want to live there. It's, <laughs> it's tumbleweed and. It's a desert and, uh, for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's pretty desolate out there. Gotcha. Steve, let me ask you, Steve, um, you know, some people, um, you know, there's, it feels like there's been a resurgence in NASA um, or just like space related like causes. It feels like, you know, I mean, if we look at like the last hundred years of American innovation in space, like we went to the point, like we raced to the moon and then, you know, the late sixties, seventies, and then obviously like it kind of trailed off and then um, some stuff in the eighties. And now it feels like, do you, it's a, there's a little bit more public like support and interest around doing like space related things and supporting that. What do you think? I mean, you're you could say you're in the space industry you've been associated with nasa nasa when you guys speak to the public and you're representing i guess just the industry in general what are the um i guess the main kind of like hey like this is why we're doing it kind of thing uh, when it comes to like trying to innovate with space and why you know why that's a good thing i guess for humanity um yeah, that's a big question. So, <laughs> yeah, sorry, that was pretty. That was pretty. We're only fifteen minutes in here, man. Come on now. <laughs> no. Hey, we um, only got forty. Got to ask. Yeah, hard. exactly. Hit them hard. I mean, you're always going to ask the question: Why are we spending billions right. in on the International Space Station and sending little rovers to Mars when you have all the problems and social issues on Earth? Right. I mean, that's right. a yeah, that's a common question people sure. are going to ask. And they always do. But, you know, I, I guess the answer to that is by doing this, doing this research, we, we, we do a lot of things, you know, we excite people, we excite children about, about science and we get them involved because otherwise, you know, if they didn't see these things, they wouldn't really be inspired to get involved and do this type of work. And the other reason is, is so many things come out of it. I mean, going to the moon, you don't realize that what industries ultimately took off because of that. We didn't know how to use computers when we went to the moon the first time. <laughs> You're right. I mean, no, exactly. So those computers spawned were, you know, they were cutting edge. They spawned the industry. People don't realize that was the first when, when the Saturn V took off, that was automated flight. You know, Neil yeah. Armstrong and Buzz weren't flying that thing. That yeah. was that was a computer. Um, so, you know, it, it spawns those industries um, in many directions that help humanity in countless number of ways, far beyond space and, and, and planetary research and things like that. Right. So I think, you know... But, there's probably more to that question, but I think two big things for me would be is it, you know, inspires the future generations and it, it drives so many other industries that ultimately help humanity. Mm-hmm. No, it's spot on. And I mean, and didn't, uh, hope it wasn't trying to be too philosophical, um, <laughs> but it mean, Oh, I know. I, I think we're, this is the power of technology at you know, its finest. Right? I, I think it's just like, 
<laughs> some in and out. Coop, we're, we still yeah, good. Yeah, a little bit in and out. And I know it's it's tough. It's tough sometimes. The internet's um, probably not too good there under the bridge. <laughs> All right. Oh, I'm, I don't even know if you guys can hear me right now. Hopefully you can, but yeah, you're back. Yeah, you're good. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I wasn't trying to make it too philosophical, but I think it's important in the context of West Virginia that it is like, hey, look, I mean, this is inspiring the next generation of uh, of thinkers and of creators and of, of you know future leaders that we want to create. Um, so I think it's cool that West Virginia plays a part in that community. Um, and, and that's not to say that we can't focus on the issues that the state has, but I think it's cool that we're playing a part in such a futuristic and, uh, you know, aspirational mm-hmm. type of industry. Yep. Definitely is. And hopefully it, you know, it helps maintain some of the, the brain pool we have here to stay here and gives them, you know, people coming out of W. We certainly hire a lot of people out of WVU and Marshall and, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's good to keep those people here when we can. Yeah, I'm convinced that passing on our knowledge is the best way to keep people inspired, right? It really is like the the master teaching the young Padawan for any Star Wars out there, you know, <laughs> Star Wars enthusiasts out there. But it's like, I think I, I do think that that's the best way to keep, you know, motivate the younger generation and inspire them. You, you do have to, you got to dream big and you got to teach the younger ones how to dream big too. So, right. Um, Anyway, Cooper, you if, if you're still yeah, you you uh you guys just went hiking a couple of days ago. You guys just got back. And um Cooper Cooper is now an alien conspiracy theorist. Uh he had quite uh no, <laughs> I think we just lost him again. I'm I'm I can see you guys. I don't know if you can see me. But no, I, I, it will, will. Cooper, Cooper Mason, who's our producer and, and a buddy of ours, Nathan Altman, just took a hike and and they said they they made it out, you know, a couple miles into this trail and they looked up and they they saw all of these like flashing, well, constant lights, like fifty to seventy like different like hanging lights, kind of like in the sky. But what it ended up being at the time, they didn't know this, but it was Elon Musk's uh, the 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 satellites being launched into space to help, you know, the, the internet access. Right. Um, Starlink. Yeah. Starlink. Exactly. So, you know, do you think some of the, the things that he's doing, uh, are they, are they just preposterous? Are they just totally outlandish or, or, you know, some of the solutions that he has to the world's problems, are they very legitimate ways to go about trying to solve the world's problems? Well, you know, Elon Musk took on two things that I don't think anybody thought were very doable. I mean, putting out not only a, uh, a battery powered car, but an entirely new car yeah. built in the U S that's, that's pretty <laughs> radical. If he yeah. pulled it off. And the other thing he did that I don't think anybody was ready for was he started launching rockets really, really cheap. And then he's got the first man launch of U S people to the international space station um, out, you know, as a private industry, that's a pretty big deal. Um, That was a pretty big achievement. So um, I don't tend to question you anymore. So yeah, this Starlink thing seems crazy too, because it's going to take like 30 to 40,000 little satellites to make it work. That's a big number. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I I think he might pull that off too. What's this? Because I really don't know too, too much about this, but aren't we crowding the airspace now? Like, are we going to ever have satellites bumping into each other? Like, I think that's always like a, 
a, a rumor like a, a threat of like we're sending too much to space and having it hover over the atmosphere space is that debris. A, yeah, yeah space so, is that true is that a, well there's a theory thing? it's called the kessler effect and that's when two bump into each other and then they spew all their debris and then they hit a few others and eventually just everything goes down right yeah so that's that's a theory that's out there um but the other side of that is we've been doing this a long time now and <laughs> really nothing catastrophic like that has happened yet yeah. but uh we got to be aware of it we do have to manage the junk in space and be careful that we don't um pollute it with stuff that isn't functional but i i think in general you know him sending 40,000 satellites up there sounds horrible but i don't think it's going to be catastrophic don't quote me that but <laughs> yeah yeah i, I think it's going to be okay <laughs> steve let me ask you this if they said steve you can take a, a ticket up to mars are you going to go or are you like a big space guy like yourself and you're you're building design these aircrafts are you are you also like going up and are you like in these planes as well or how's that work out um I'm not going to go to Mars. I can tell you that <laughs> because there's no air and it's cold. So it doesn't really feel <laughs> True. to me. Sounds um, like Morgantown. Sounds like yeah. Morgantown. <laughs> <laughs> For so, nine months of the year. I like working on them, but I don't want I don't I don't want to fly. Yeah. No. No thanks. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to say whether or not we would actually do it. If there was a reason to go, then for you'd sure go, maybe you'd go. I think if 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 the you know if the was base tail, was a football game going on up there, you'd well, have what would be the reason you would go to Mars? I can't think of a reason. <laughs> well, I mean, if we needed to get off this rock, then I would go to Mars. You know, but people <laughs> say that, but think about this. I mean, bad water and bad air is a yeah. lot better than no water and no air. Yeah, you need those two things to survive. But yeah. if we polluted the water and we've polluted the air down here, I, what's the difference? I don't know. <laughs> yeah i don't know that's earth would have to be pretty bad to have to go to mars <laughs> true it's uh that's a pretty it's a pretty forsaken it's cool desolate cool pictures, yeah. but it's <laughs> it's really forsaken those pictures too really are, are really not even that i've seen some incredible pictures of earth those are just rock photos <laughs> you know just yeah, cool just, rock pictures from, they are just rock pictures, from mars so. but Steve, what about like a serious note here? Who actually does fly these planes? Are these like experimental pilots or are these like trained just kind of like like your regular commercial aircraft pilots? Or who is kind of like taking it like you do all the work? They're like, all right, let's send this sucker up, see if the software holds up. Like yeah, who they, they up have on? they have test pilots. That's that's yeah. their guy's job is is they're you know generally retired Air Force guys that uh, NASA hires to fly these planes. So it's okay they don't it's not something civilians get to participate in <laughs> not because yet. it is there's definitely a level of a danger in there they are experienced in flying um right you know and you, you guys are you guys know you, you know chuck yeager obviously yeah exactly west virginian who broke the sound barrier that was at, that occurred out at nasa armstrong on the mm -hmm. x1 so now we're on the x57 that's so, so cool yeah that is so cool is okay so now that makes sense the x is just experimental is that mm -hmm. right yeah, yeah. that's pretty cool yeah it doesn't that is very cool so what was x56 what are, would have been like the big jumps in the x models <laughs> can you well like... i'll let you wiki that there's a wiki page <laughs> with all the x's and there's, okay. there's quite a quite a, i mean you walk know. us through all 56 years yeah no no we don't need <laughs> 
there's there's high altitude there's flyby wire there's um the i think they're working on doing um breaking the sound barrier without the big boom i think there's mm -hmm. a lot of research going on in that right now um so there's there's been a lot of x research yeah speaking of which have you seen that in person have you seen like a sonic boom have you ever been around anything dude that's so cool i mean i've only seen videos of it i can't act like i've seen it in person but i mean that is a that is awesome just i mean the intensity of that of just, that's just that jolt of energy has got to be just like it rocks exhilarating. It, so out at armstrong that's an airspace where you can break the the speed barrier and uh it it rocks the place hard when they're they're a close one i mean it'll shake the whole building yeah um one of the coolest ones though was when the space shuttle it sometimes used, it used to land out there mm -hmm. when it would come back in when you go when you go supersonic to subsonic you also do a sonic boom and for some reason it did too it did boom boom and i was in my hotel room about 5 a.m and i thought i thought there was an earthquake or somebody was breaking <laughs> the window out of my hotel it was it was powerful wow that's cool well let's let's touch on this to the uh the chinese situation where they sent a rocket in space and it, and it was actually the tower right wasn't it the tower that was supposed to fall off it just kept going with it about 10 stories tall and then it, it obviously got to the atmosphere and then slowly fell down over the course of a couple of weeks is that was that what happened yeah the core stage booster which is the you know the first stage the big piece of any rocket yeah yeah that typically doesn't go into orbit that yeah, falls that's what it was yeah pretty much right down to the ocean for reasons we don't exactly know, they theirs went into orbit briefly, and um, so it, you know, it fell at an unpredictable location, and they got lucky <laughs> again, and it went in the ocean. Well, we it, it's funny we say lucky because t definitely very lucky, but three fourths of the planet's water, so those are good numbers, I guess. <laughs> yeah, eventually though, you're gonna, <laughs> yeah, you know, lands you're and one and four, you're gonna hit, you're gonna hit a piece of land some point. Yeah. Well, I like that all of the east coast basically was in that target path right it was right. Part hey guys how about another quick break brought to you by mountaineer roasting go to mountaineerroasting.com 15 percent off when you use code media 15 also this podcast is presented by mr b mr b chips the delicious west virginia made chip is available at most local grocery stores gas stations and such uh well look they support us marion kettleson she is a rock star ceo philanthropist uh just an all-around great person so shout out to mr b and their support of the mountaineer media podcast we could not do it without her and her company so we appreciate that hopefully you all are enjoying our podcast we constantly ask for feedback reviews ratings so if you do enjoy it jump over to apple Podcasts if you're on spotify or if you're uh if you're on apple Podcasts right now leave us a review say hey great work we like this we don't like this leave us a rating that really really does help us grow as a podcast and it means a lot to hear directly from you guys you know we don't want this to be us just on our megaphone on our high horse just saying whatever we think we want this to be a reflection of West Virginia holistically from the people, from the community, uh, businesses, organizations, nonprofits, you know, all 
uh, to gather here for a conversation to move West Virginia forward. You guys know the drill. I don't have to tell it to you every time, but uh, we sincerely appreciate it. Go to mountaineermedia.org, and you can shop our merchandise, read the blogs from the Mountaineer blog team, and really just keep up to date on all the things that we're doing over on mountaineermedia.org. So we appreciate it. Let's get you to this episode and finish it out now here with Steve on the Mountaineer Media Podcast. Let me ask you this, Steve. This is going to be wild. Do you believe in aliens? No. <laughs> no? Really? You don't think well, it's possible? I mean, like, okay, so what would define aliens? The people that have been here or no. life anywhere? Well, <laughs> well, CJ was telling that story. My damn audio was cutting out. Um, I did think I see I saw aliens because we were in the woods and we had no service. So we look up, there's like 100 things going by. We thought we saw aliens. <laughs> Turns out it was the SpaceX thing. But yeah. if we just, I mean, if we're just, you know, classic, if we look at the numbers of like how many solar systems, how many galaxies, like, and statistically, if we say, okay, well, the odds of something being out there, like I'm talking about like that, yes or no to that answer, not necessarily like, do we got green men running around like <laughs> within the Milky Way? Yeah, statistically speaking, um, there's trillions, maybe galaxies. I mean, you know, our right. Milky Way alone, we have, we, we don't even know the scope of the Milky Way and that's where yeah. we are. Right. And then there's billions or trillions of more galaxies, each having potentially billions of stars the size is just mind-boggling right so i mean statistically it only makes sense that there's some other life out there see i believe in that well (laughs) i mean yeah yeah and then there's like only the observable universe right there's even outside of the box things that we'll never even be able to see and understand yeah because now there's this you know it was discovered in 19 recently i think 1995 we always knew the universe was expanding but we just found out in 95 that that expansion is accelerating so yeah you know we're getting quickly further and further away from each other so damn 95 that's when we found that. that seems yeah. yeah yeah so yeah the, the universe is getting away from us so we, we'll never see parts of it that's yeah. that's interesting so go ahead cooper go ahead also what does green bank to your knowledge do specifically i mean the in west virginia i know it's like a unique observatory is that is that associated with nasa directly or how how is that um you know anything about part that? of the national science institute um but nasa does utilize them for various things i mean there that's a radio telescope obviously it doesn't see anything it listens to mm-hmm. to the radiation that occurs out in the out in the universe yeah and it's the biggest single movable telescope i believe in the world um that that, you know you can actually tilt and point in a specific direction and track things Mm -hmm. so i i think i think i heard a rumor that they actually picked up that like the the latest rover landed on mars before jpl did and they had to keep that quiet so what that's pretty cool (laughs) that's super cool yeah okay hold on now because and whether you can tell us this or not i don't know but you guys did there there was some news yesterday that are you allowed to speak about publicly was there some information like a new contract or something with nasa or anything to that matter with with Um, my company tmc i i thought so but maybe maybe not nothing i guess nothing I don't, I don't know of anything significant. I mean, there's Nothing always comes to mind there, huh? new contracts coming out. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 No, I thought there was like a quiet period. I thought that there was like a certain like quiet oh, period. Oh, you're talking about yard. Yeah. So, so TMC just, just won a new 
um, I think five-year contract with NASA where, you know, we'll continue to support their work for the next five years. So, I mean, that's, that's cool for us. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool for us too. So <laughs> awesome, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Well, good stuff. So, okay. So let's see, are you, are you, we'll just keep going deeper and deeper here. Are you simulation theory? Are we all one simulation? Are we just big boom? Are we like expanding universe, just floating rocks just by accident? Where, where, where do you kind of stand on all of those? those you're, theories? you're only space guy so far. Sorry. Exactly. You're getting all we, these questions. Exactly. Like, we don't always <laughs> have the space. On, so we, we, we like to d- dive deep when we can. Oh, okay. So you're, you're thinking we're somebody else's simulation and maybe i mean that's uh, which is funny because i felt like for like two years that was like that's it that is what we are but even now it's like okay maybe that's not it i I feel like the opinion has shifted on that very recently yeah i mean we could be somebody's puppet in in their play (laughs) and we are being observed and we're just their entertainment sure why not um we're probably just floating meaningless on a rock through space and uh we're just chilling here on earth and doing our thing that's little monkeys a, on a rock yeah, like that yeah that's a good option too yeah um, how much how much work do you all do with the the institutions of western like western like you said marshall wu is there a lot of collaboration between the students and the research and the professors up there with like the private industry yeah so we um another thing you can you know google or wiki we put up a satellite um, two or three years ago. It's called STF-1. Uh, it's a small satellite. It's probably, you know, that big. Uh, we launched that with a bunch of other small satellites from New Zealand three or four years ago. And that's been orbiting for, you know, successfully since then. We've, we've sent back several pictures of the Earth. And, but there's three ex- ex- science experiments on that um, satellite. And those were all developed by students and professors at WVU. So wow. we worked real closely with them during during that phase, and we're still sending data back to them. So that's pretty cool. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, WVU is right down the street, and right. a lot of our employees, including me, are from WVU. So we everybody knows everybody. So yeah, we work a lot with them. Yeah, that's awesome, gotcha. dude. I'm I'm looking. These are like really cool. I'm going to, we'll pop on here. I'm looking at all of the X model planes that we were just talking about. Like uh, this is the one that you were talking about, right? The X 54 low noise supersonic transport. Is that like not having a supersonic boom? Is that what you were, you were kind of talking about? Right. And I think if you look at X 59, that's X 59 is doing the same thing. Prototype quiet supersonic transport. Yeah. So somehow having that big nose on the plane reduces the um <laughs> what? Look at that thing. what the hell Super. very yeah. strange looking yeah what the hell that's crazy so maybe it just like pierces <laughs> the air more like that big long nose just kind of like cuts the air more yeah so real rich guys are gonna fly on that because it's you know it's <laughs> look at small this thing the gremlin <laughs> that doesn't look like it the gremlin is new it's like a greyhound bus right there yeah. <laughs> oh shoot some these of the are pictures. so unique looking. Yeah, I didn't think so. So, so John Ersty, I'm sorry. So each one of these is essentially the like they just get keep numbered, numbered, but they're they're all different. They're all trying something new, or are we trying to like hone in on a certain capability each time? Uh, some of them are refinements on the others, but yeah. Okay. Typically, they're a whole new concept of why you're doing something. Wow. 
Very cool. Very cool. They don't give you pictures on some of them. Those are maybe. Yes, I think some of them are classified. Some of them might be classified. And design. That's the cool thing about NASA, though, is very little of NASA is classified. So interesting. um, Interesting. Most of it gets shared with the public. I was going to say, do you have to have like a clearance to work with NASA, um, like for for your role, or in in general, if you're going to like, if someone's working with NASA, do they have to go through some sort of process? Um, generally they don't have to, I mean, you got to pass a background check, but you don't have to have a a clearance. Typically, uh, there's things where it makes it useful to have one. There's certain programs that NASA collaborates with the air force and Navy on some things. So, you know, occasionally you need one. Um, this is cool. I, I guess, we were talking about Elon, of course, SpaceX is all about, you know, having a rocket go and, and then take off, take off and come back, right? Reusable. But NASA was kind of testing that back in 2001, this X-33 half scale reusable launch vehicle. Um, that was something that launched and then came back. Is that what the, uh, the idea was there? Um, I don't know that X-33 went, but if you scroll back down, there was one X-37. In like, yeah. X-37 is being, or maybe it's X-38. It's one of those um, is being actively used. Gotcha. Um, now that's all classified. We don't know. We know what it looks like. You can click on the picture there of X-37. Um, that's X, yeah, there's X-37. So mm-hmm. um, that's what it looks like, but uh, we don't know what the, the Air Force is doing with it up there. But gotcha. it, it stays up for like a year or so. And then wow. lands. Interesting. Lands at uh, Kennedy Space Center. Yeah, very cool. cool. How much are other, I mean, other countries, I mean, like, is the U.S. still a leader in space, like, research innovation? I mean, or or is China quickly closing the gap on, like, what we're doing in, you know, classic, like, Russia, like, you know, like, where, in your opinion, or how much do you guys pay attention to, like, what other groups or programs are doing in, in terms of being, like, competitive for what you all do being contracted out by NASA? Yeah, the U.S. is definitely still the leader in space. Mm-hmm. Um, Russia was, you know, really big there in the 60s and 70s, but that kind of, they hit on hard times with the fall of the Soviet Union, and um, they're still in it, but they're still a long ways from us. Obviously, China is, and like everything else China does, quickly trying to get in the game. Uh, right now, they're fast. in the process <laughs> of building a... Um, a space station of their own. So, um, you know, we're, we're still, yeah. we're still leaps and bounds above most countries, but, uh, that gap will close obviously is, you know, the technology becomes more basic to, to other countries. They'll, they'll start catching up. So, you know, we gotta, we gotta keep pushing right. Definitely ahead. Big keep time. inspiring the, the youth. That's yeah. right. Very to, cool. And a Russian astronaut's what a cosmonaut, right? I don't know why I just thought of that. <laughs> that was, yeah, they are. That's what a Russian is. <laughs> and I think that is where we should end this one. <laughs> so, Steve, thank you for taking some time to answer all of our dumb questions that we could write down and they think of. They were fun. They were fun week. questions. I like yeah. them. <laughs> so, uh, thank you for all of your time, man. Keep keep grinding and, and not just making NASA look good, but making West Virginia look good too. Thank you. Yep. Anytime. Thank you, yeah. Steve. Okay, everybody, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you to Steve for coming on and talking about everything that Cooper and I could scramble our brains to come up with. That was 
some interesting stuff there. When you get that chance, like Cooper had said, when you get the chance to talk to the NASA guy, ask the questions about space and technology. So <laughs> we made sure to hit all of the topics that we felt uh, were interesting and pretty nerdy, but I'm sure most guys and some girls definitely out there enjoyed that one for all the topics we discussed. So thanks for tuning in. We'll be back. You might have heard we've got Brad Smith coming up in a couple of weeks. That's a big get for us, so that should be an interesting conversation as well. Make sure to stick with us on all of our social channels, and that'll do it for this episode. We'll see you soon. Peace.